guys were awesome. How many of you are ready for The Voice? Anybody ready for The Voice? America's Got Talent? Okay, good. Let me just... You guys like stories? Yeah. You do? What's your favorite story? Which one? Oh, when Jesus is born. Good one. What's yours? The Magic Treehouse. I'm not going to do that one. Hey, I'm going to read you a story about the day, actually the night that Jesus... Hi, Ryan. The, the day that Jesus was born, and it's taken from, uh, in the Bible, Luke chapters 1 and 2. Ready? Here we go. Everybody was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming, coming to help his people just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? Any guesses? Yeah, you guys know. What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would be bowing down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. You guys like snow? Yeah. No? Yes? Okay, well, it's just like snow silent, falling, he came in. And when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named, anybody want to guess? Yeah. Joseph! He was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When Mary saw the tall, shiny men standing there, she was frightened. How many of you be frightened if an angel showed up in your room? Yeah, me too. <laughs> you don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. And Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, and he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary... You're going to have a baby, a little boy, and you will call him? Jesus. Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who would do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a little tiny baby. Anybody got little baby brothers or sisters in your house? 
And you believe that Jesus came as a little baby, huh? Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world, but it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful or too hard for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant. Whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel said, nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to, anybody know the city? Bethlehem, that's right. You think they went by car, minivan, or plane? Donkey probably, yeah. Mary and Joseph took a trip to Bethlehem, and that's the town that King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full, every bed was taken, no room in the Motel 6. Can you believe it? terrible. Go away, the innkeeper said. This, there isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old tumble-down stable, a barn. And so they stayed with the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there, in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift, the baby that would change the world, his son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm, and they made a soft bed of straw and used an animal's feeding trough as a cradle. How many of you slept in a cradle before? Well, did you sleep without cows and straw? No. Well, they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, also known as Emmanuel, which means what? Anybody want to guess? God with us. That's right, Gracie. What a great story. Well, you guys like birthdays? We're going to sing Happy Birthday, Jesus. You want to do that together? Will you help me? Should we get everybody else to do it too? All right, everybody, let's stand up. Hey, everybody, up on your feet. And I need you guys to sing this. You know, the 9 o'clock service is not fully caffeinated. You guys are. So help us sing. Let's sing. Ready? Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Jesus. Happy birthday to you. All right, let's do it up one more time. Good job, you guys. Good morning, everybody. I am uh, honored to be here with you guys today and to celebrate Christmas with you. Love the kids. It is just a hoot. Uh, it's so much fun for me. I remember when my children were little uh, as a parent and they were in Christmas programs, I was way more nervous than they were, uh, generally because I wasn't sure what they were going to do. And I'll never forget the one Christmas program, right in the middle of the way in a manger, my son started picking his nose. And uh, it was not the kind of manger I wanted him to be picking. But anyhow, it was fun uh, to watch the kids. Thank you, parents, for bringing your kids today. How many of you like to celebrate birthdays? Come on, let me see your hands. Boy, I'm surprised some of the old people are raising their hands. Um, most of us, you know, we, uh, we celebrate birthdays. We like to, you know, I, I remember 40 wasn't a big deal to me. 50 didn't matter. But I really had a hard time with 30. For some reason, when I left my 20s and went into the 30s, it was like, wow, I'm really old. Now I realize that's not old at all. But I had, I had a difficulty with, with uh, my 30th birthday, and my wife threw a surprise birthday party for, for me, and she was trying to be kind, but I hate surprise birthday parties. So I, I didn't have a great memory, but you know what? We all mark special events, anniversaries, uh, birthdays, things that we want to remember. I've got a really good friend of mine. He celebrates August 3rd every year, and because on August 3rd, 1993, was his first day of sobriety. 
and his wife, his children, uh, they celebrate that day, August 3rd, more than they celebrate his birthday. Because for him, that was the day everything changed. And for over 20 years now, he's been celebrating uh, the date that he became uh, sober. And I, I think that's pretty cool. We all have days. We all have uh, different reasons for celebrating different events in our life. But I want to suggest to you that even if you're not a Christ follower, you have to admit Christmas is amazing. It's probably the most significant event in all of history. It was the day that God said, I'm going to send my son to rescue my world. And for Christians, it is the most significant day. It marks the day that our greatest need was met, our need for a Savior. Of course, we celebrate Easter. I love Easter as well because that's the day we celebrate that he's alive. But he came. He came as a little baby, born to this earth to reach us, to build a bridge to us, to have a relationship with us. In our coming Christmas Eve, Christmas Adam and Eve services, uh, tomorrow night at 7 and then on Tuesday at 4 and 6, I'm going to be unpacking a little bit different part of the story. We're going to take a look at the Christmas story from a little different angle. And one of the things we're going to see is how often people were surprised slash terrified in the Christmas story. We tend to put a little positive spin on it in the movies and the books we read. But the truth of the matter is a lot of people involved in that story were actually afraid and they were, they were fearful. And I'm going to talk in our Christmas Eve services about how to overcome fear and the unexpected when it happens in our lives. Today I want to briefly unpack three of what I'm calling the greatest truths about Christmas. Now, here's my concern. I'll just be real. I'll be honest. My concern is that some of you, the minute I tell you the passage I'm going to read, and I give you these three things that are great truths about Christmas, you're going to do like a couple of the kids were doing up here. I love Gracie. She was just yawning away. You're going to, ah, whatever, I've been there, done that, I've heard all this. What does this have to do? You know, why do I have to go through this one more Christmas and hear about the greatest gifts given to us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My hope for you guys is that you'll leave here today with a little bit more of a fire in your bosom, a little bit more of a fire in your soul, that some of the things that we take for granted or that we've heard so many times that ought to just rock our world, ought to just make us jump for joy literally with excitement at the good news that God has given to us as Savior, that today you'll leave here a little bit more pumped, a little bit more excited about the Christmas story and the three great truths wrapped up in it. I'm going to read a very familiar passage. In fact, probably the most famous passage in the Bible from John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but could have eternal, everlasting life. That's John 3, 16. And again, many of us, if not all of us, have heard that, read it, we know it. A lot of us memorize it when we were the, this age as the kids were up on stage. Verse 17 is not as familiar, but it should be. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3, 16, God loves us. He sent his son, he gave his son for us. John 3, 17, and he didn't send him to condemn us, but in fact to save us. There's a reason why this passage is so well known. It's because it is full of good news. And three things I want to unpack today. Here's the first one. Number one, we are loved. What is the greatest truth about Christmas? And again, please, Please, let this just resonate in your soul today. You and I are love. The Bible says, in fact, that God is love. John, who wrote John 3, 16, in the epistles in 1 John 4, he said, God is love. God's just not about love or doesn't just love occasionally, but it's, in fact, it's his very character. God is love. It's his nature. He doesn't just love on a good day. It's who he is. In fact, he created an entire world and a human race so that he could love us beyond 
our wildest imagination. God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves me. And what I want you to leave here today with is this understanding for some of you the first time or this reminder for many of us. Not only does he love us, but there's nothing that can stop that radical and ludicrous love of God for us. Nothing. Nothing can ever get in the way of the love that he has for you and me. Paul, the apostle, wrote this in Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Now again, a familiar passage. Let these words just settle in your heart right now. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Anybody worried about tomorrow or their future? Can't separate you from the love of God. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from this love of God that is revealed through Jesus, through the gift of his, his son, God, to us to be our savior, and through the gift of his life for you and me. What I want you to remember is that on your worst day, God still loves you more than you can possibly imagine. When you're doing the stupidest thing you've ever done, God still loves you more than you can possibly imagine. When you say something mean to somebody, when you said it this week and you hurt someone and it was just that moment of, when you just said something ugly, even then, God loved you. When you stole from your employer, probably, hopefully you didn't embezzle, but maybe you took a pen or a pad of paper or a sticky pad and you took it home, that's no big deal, but everybody does it. Even then, God loved you more than you could imagine. When you saw someone else buying the 98-inch flat screen TV at Best Buy while you're picking up batteries and you're coveting and you're thinking, I wish I had money to have something like that for Christmas, even when you're coveting, which by the way is wrong, even when you're doing that, God loves you more than you can imagine. Even when you were grumpy with that sales clerk at the store, you know, you wait in line for 20 minutes, you get up there and then whatever, you know, it's not marked right or they're grumpy with you or they don't take the coupon that you thought was gonna work or whatever and you're supposed to be in the Christmas spirit, happy and joyful and nice and instead you're not happy and you're giving them just a grief and you're just grinchy about the whole experience. Even then, God loved you. How's that possible? Does it matter what we do? Of course it does. But what I want you to hear today is that God loves you even in those mo worst moments. Why? Well, because God's love for you and I is not based on our performance, but on his character. It's not based on what you can do or what you don't do. It is based on the love of God for you, on his character, who he is. You realize, don't you, that before you ever did one thing right, God loved you? Do you, you get that? Before you ever loved God back, he loved you. Before you ever even acknowledged his existence, that he was alive and real, Jesus loved you. Before you ever chose to love him back, God loves us. That's one of the great truths of Christmas, is that God loves us more than the life of his own son. God loves you. That's the great truth, the first. And that reality, again, ought to shake us to our core. Here's the second truth. First, God loves us. The second one is we can have hope. Not only does God love you, and that's phenomenal, amazing, love beyond our imagination, but he offers us, he gives us hope for our today and our tomorrows, our future. He sent his son to bridge the gap between us and him, but his intent, his purpose, his plans for you are good. He didn't come to beat you up. He didn't come to throw you into a you know, pile of 
of a rejection. He didn't come to condemn you or, or to, to, to beat you up. He came to give you eternal hope. John 3, 17, listen to it again. God did not send me into the world, Jesus said, to condemn the world, but to save it. This means that God is for us, he's for you. He wants us to live, not to die. And we don't have to live in fear. We can, in fact, live with confident expectation, a hope in the goodness of God. The message of the New Testament is called the good news. It's good news. And the good news is God didn't come to rip us apart, but he came to save us. He came to redeem us, to give us relationship with him. But the truth is some people are afraid of God. They get very nervous when you talk about God or when you bring God up. And some of us are afraid to talk about God. We know God and politics, don't go there with friends because they won't be friends very long. And some of us are terrified. We have this opinion about what we're trying to present that eh, no, people don't really want to hear it. And some of you have been hesitant to invite them to Christmas Eve service. You think, man, I don't know. You know, people get nervous when I talk about God. But the part of the problem with them and with us is that we don't understand this is really good news. That's great news. And we like to share great news. I um, will admit to you that I spent a whole dollar this week on Mega Millions lotto ticket. How many of you bought a lotto ticket? Come on, let's own it. Now, I don't play the lottery. It's like the second ticket in my life that I've ever bought. But I'm thinking, you know, 500 some odd million dollars, I'll spend a buck. And so I walked into the Chester store and it's been so long and I really don't play, I don't pay. I said, I want a lotto ticket. She looked at me like, great, which one? And I, I don't know. What do you mean, which one? I want a winning one. She was not amused. And I said, well, I don't know. You know, the one that's, the, and she said, the Mega Man's. Yeah, that's it. I said, how much do I owe you? She says, a buck. I said, good deal. I'll take one. And I tracked that at 8.01, which is 11 o'clock Eastern time. I went online to see if I had the winning ticket. Guess what? I didn't. I was a loser. I lost. I like most of us, all of you. I didn't win anything. I didn't even get my dollar back. That's what really ticked me off. <laughs> one number, one number, I could have got my dollar back, but no. But here's the thing that struck me about that. If I had won the lottery, do you think I'm going to be embarrassed to share that with you? Am I going to hide that? Am I going to, now I might for a couple days just to get past the, the publicity in the press, but I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to have a thousand new best friends overnight. That guy's a multimillionaire, right? And I'd be telling everybody, hey, I paid a, paid a duck and a duck. I paid a buck. I paid a duck. I paid a buck for this lotto ticket and I won. I'm gonna be telling everybody why. Because it's great news, it's good news. Good news spreads fast. We're not embarrassed to tell somebody good news. And here's what I want you to, again to hear today. And you need to hear this. What we share, the Christmas story, is the greatest news ever. God loves you. God loves us. And from here to eternity, we can have hope. Hope that comes from grace and forgiveness. Hope that comes from relationship with him. Here's what Luke wrote, wrote about uh, hope and about the good news to a bunch of ragtag and rough around the edge of shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. It's in Luke chapter two, verse nine to 11. So an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around, shone around them, and they were terrified. And again, we'll unpack this a little bit more in the Christmas Eve services. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Now listen to what the angel said. Don't 
freak out. Do not be afraid. In fact, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And what was the good news today? In the town of David, a Savior has been born, and I love this phrase, to you. Here's the good news. A Savior has come for you. He's come to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel said, don't be afraid. Why not? Because it's good news. It's good news that will, in fact, cause great joy for all who understand it and embrace it. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And he came to redeem you so that you could walk every day in the hope of eternity, knowing that he is with you. That, that's our hope. That's the hope that we hold on to, which takes me to the third and final great truth I want to unwrap today. Number three, we are not alone. Not only does God love us and he loves you, not only can we walk in hope, the hope of eternal life, the hope knowing that he is our friend, that he didn't come to hurt us, but it's good news, but we don't walk alone. We are not alone. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son. He didn't just give us a pat on the back. <laughs> he didn't just give us a, a good book. and He did give us a good book, but there's far more to it than that. He didn't give us some thing that's going to get broken. I mean, how many of you remember really what you got last Christmas? Or you got something for your kids and three months later it had been trashed and they broke it and it's not functioning anymore. Or something that's in a box in the garage. That's not the gift that God gave you. Some of you re-gift gifts. You know, you, you get stuff and you think, man, I don't like this at all. And you put it in the closet looking for an opportunity to give it away to somebody else. That's not the kind of gift God gave us. God gave us a relational gift. The gift of his son's presence in a world and in our lives. The gift of his presence. God gave his one and only son. He sent him to this snowball we call earth to be with us. Matthew wrote in Matthew 1, 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's taken from Isaiah chapter seven. And the angel said, God's sending his son and they're gonna call him Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. God is not distant. He's not far. He's not off in some distant place. You know, sometimes even those of us that walk with Jesus for a while, we don't live day in and day out with the reality that God is right here. We still tend to think about God off someplace, you know, in heaven or wherever that is, and he's off in the, you know, starry sky, and, and he's not really here. But the news, one of the great truths of Christmas is God came to be with us, and he's here right now. You know, most of us, uh, most of us know the agony of being alone. Some of us have been abandoned by people, by friends, by family members, by spouses, and it's painful. For a lot of people, I talk to them during this season, it's a very painful time for them. They've maybe lost someone they love, and this Christmas they're without that person, and they feel alone. Some, this reminds us of a time that's, you know, we had difficult family experiences, or family wasn't, you know, it was, it was Chevy Chase Christmas, and it wasn't family, and it wasn't happy, and it wasn't good. And, and for some of us, we have been abandoned, and we feel that aloneness, we feel that pain. My dad passed away over 14 years ago. It was the uh, summer of 1999. And I, I miss it. And I, most of my life, my dad and I did not have a good relationship. But the last three years of his life, I finally had the dad that I'd prayed for and dreamed about, and we had a great relationship. 
And then 63, he gets cancer and he dies, and it was hard. And I can't tell you how many times I come across, and it doesn't make any sense, but a lot of you know what I'm talking about. I don't think, oh, I need to call my, and I, and I stop myself mid-sentence. I need, I, my dad, I can't call him. There's no, but I'm thinking, I'll just pick up the phone and give my dad a call. And I really miss him at Christmas. He loved Christmas. He's more fanatic about it than I am. Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and my dad loved Christmas. And I think about him a lot this time of the year, and it's been 14 years since my dad's gone. I miss him. I spoke with a woman in her late 20s not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. And she's going to be alone this Christmas. Her husband left her. Uh, They've been married uh, over seven years. They didn't have any children. Um, She doesn't even have a cat and dog. She said, I don't have anybody at home. Very few friends and family. They hadn't moved here too long ago. And she was just telling me, you know, how difficult it is. And boy, I said, I, I, I understand. I'm so sorry. And, so she, and then she kind of stopped me. She said, well, yeah, I, I, thank you. She said, but you know, I, I need you to know something. She said, though I'm alone, I've never felt more the presence of God in my life. In fact, she says, I feel like God just wraps his arms around me all the time anymore. I, I know I'm physically alone, and yet I feel closer to him than I ever have been. And I thought when she said that, wow, that's a woman who's experiencing Emmanuel, God with us. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge. He's our protector, our covering. He's our shelter. He's the one we can run to. He's our refuge and our strength. Feel weak right now? Do you feel like you just don't have any more energy? Well, the good news is God can be the strength that you need. God is our refuge and our strength. And then I love this, an ever-present help in trouble ever-present. He's always there. He's always present. Even when we don't feel his presence, even when we're not sure, even when we feel like we're all alone, the Bible, the truth is we are never alone. In fact, Jesus is here right now, and he'll be with you later today. He'll be with you later tomorrow. No matter what happens, Shelly, to the Seahawks today, God will be with you. (laughs) Shelly's a pretty big Seahawk fan. Tomorrow, this Christmas, No matter what you have to face, whether you're alone or not, or with family that's fun, or family that's a nightmare. No matter what, as you go into 2014, I don't know what's coming, but I know the one who does. And he is with us, he is with you. God loves you. He loves you. And he wants to be your living hope, the the one you hold on to no matter what. And he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that he'll be with us always, right there, Emmanuel. One last story and I'm done. I used to back back quite a bit with some friends, and I, I, I love getting out in nature. And We would go, uh, this particular trip was off in the Cascades, and they're beautiful. How many of you backpacked in the Cascades? You've, God, you just get off, and it's just so gorgeous, it's beautiful. Well, I'm with five or six of my buddies, and we'd gone in the first day, and set up camp, and I'm an early riser. I've kind of always been that way. I'm, I'm sort of weird, because I'm an early riser, and I can also stay up late, so, you know, naps are my best friends. But anyway, I, I, I uh, backpacking with these guys, and I'm always the first one up. And I get up, and I'm ready to go, and I'm cold, so I start boiling some water to make myself a cup of coffee, and then I fix breakfast, and I'm gonna get things, you know, ready to go. And some of my friends are, you know, I won't mention their names, Joe Whitworth, 
but he's, you know, he's sleeping soundly in his tent and in his sleeping bag. And I've been up for an hour, an hour and a half, and I'm ready to go. So I start making noise in the camp, you know, not being too quiet, don't really care because I'm thinking I get to get these guys up. Well, this particular day, second day into this trip, I thought, ah, you know what? They're going to be ready, you know, another hour. So I'm just going to take off down the trail. And, and one other guy was up. I said, I'll, I'll, just, I'll stop somewhere along the way. You guys will catch up with me and we'll be fine. Big mistake. I, I have a track record of getting lost. In the book, one of the stories I tell about is getting lost in Mount Adams. And I almost died in an avalanche. So I've got this, don't ever go with me anywhere, okay? <laughs> if I'm in charge of leading the group to a destination, we're in trouble. But I decided, well, I'm going to go. I'll be fine. And so I take off, and I'm about 45 minutes or so into the, the hike, and I'm by myself enjoying the morning, talking to God, and, and uh, just, it's quiet, and it's pretty cool. And, and then I come to the spot, and I'll never forget, it's like, okay, that looks like the trail, because it's wider and clearer, and, but there was this other thing went off to the left, and I don't know, it kind of looked like you'd have to bushwhack a little bit, so which, which way do you think I chose? The easy way which is what you would do too. So oh, that's probably the right way. So off I go down this trail. Well, another 30, 45 minutes go by and man, my, nobody's catching up with me and I'm not walking fast. I'm going pretty slow, just enjoying the sight. sight. So I decide, well, I'm gonna sit and stop. And I pull off my backpack, set it down, sit on a log somewhere and I'm just enjoying things. And then it starts to dawn on me, what if I'm lost? I mean, I could be eaten out here by a bear and nobody would know. I'm imagining, you know how your brain works? I'm having all these thoughts of coyotes dragging me off and to their den to feed me to their puppies. And I'm, I mean, I'm having all these horrible thoughts. And, and I, I didn't have a panic attack. I know what those are. I haven't met the dentist. But I didn't have a panic attack. But I'm thinking, oh, no, I could be lost out here. And so I'm going, should I go back? But what if I get lost going back? Should I just stay put? I don't know what to do. And in that moment, and I can't, it's hard to describe what happened, but in that moment, the tree started to blow. This wind just came through. I love that sound. You know what I'm talking about? Just the wind blowing through the pine trees. One of my favorite sounds in the world. Now it had been dead still that morning, no sound, no wind, nothing. I'm sitting there on this log, beginning to freak out, beginning to panic, not sure what I'm going to do. And in that moment, this wind comes. And it was a, like a mighty rushing wind. and just blew through the trees, and I heard the sound. And guys, I did not hear an audible voice. But in that moment, God just spoke to my heart. And he said, Kurt, it's okay. You're not alone. You're, you're okay. And I had this peace in that moment that it's hard to describe, except I knew that even if I got eaten by a bear, it would be okay because God was with me and he killed a bear, you know, so, or something. But I, it, seriously, in that moment, I knew that no matter what, I really wasn't as alone as I thought I was. Emmanuel was with me. He is with me. Listen, Emmanuel is with you now. He's here. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your goodness to us to send a Savior. That you love us more than we can imagine, that you offer us hope for our future, and that you have promised to be with us always. God, thank you for that. There are some sitting in this room right now or listening later online, and they, they're struggling through fear, struggling through loneliness, struggling through pain right now, God, and, and, and maybe they're feeling a little hopeless Holy Spirit, would you just remind them that they're loved, that they can find their hope in you. And in this moment, God, would you do something? I, 
For me, it was the wind blowing through the trees. I, I don't know what you'll do for them. But do something that will remind them, even now, right here in this moment and later today, remind them that you're with them, God, that you are Emmanuel, that they're never truly alone when they're with you because you are always with us. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've not begun your life as a Christ follower. You have not made the decision to say yes to God, to surrender your life to him. And the Bible says it begins with a, a, a belief, a choice we make in our heart to believe in him, in his grace, in his goodness, that he came, that he lives, that he loves us, that he paid the price for our sin. And if you're here today and you know this is the time for you, you're ready to say yes to God. You're ready to begin your journey as a Christ follower. Then in your heart, you make a choice. Yes, God, today's the day. This Christmas 2013, it, this is my beginning now. Now I'm going to pray a simple prayer in just a moment. And I want you to just own this prayer to make my words yours. But the most important thing is the choice you make to believe in your heart right now. The Bible also says confess, and I'll tell you about how to do that in just a moment, how we tell others what God has done for us. But in this moment of belief, if you're ready, would you just make this prayer yours? Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the hope that you offer to me. Thank you for the promise of your presence in my life. It seems too good to be true, but right now I believe. And I surrender my life. I confess my sin. I acknowledge my need of a Savior. And I want right now to surrender my all to you. And from this point on, I'm yours and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be your child from here into eternity. Thank you for loving me that much. I love you. Now that's you in your own heart, in your own way. Just say, yep, God, that's, that's my prayer. The Bible says the moment you say yes to him, you become his child. You're embraced into the family of God. Lord, for those making that decision right now, show them what it means. Show them what you're going to do. Show them how you're going to radically change their life from the inside out now. Fill them with the Holy Spirit to give them the strength they need to become the men or the women that you want them to become. But help them leave here today knowing that they're changed forever. Thank you, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. My friend Bobby found me a few minutes after uh, I had the rustling in the wind, and it was great to have that happy ending. Well, we're going to have a happy ending today with joy to the world. Love this song. Ushers are going to come. We're going to take the offering right now. If you're a guest, please don't feel obligated to give. I want to drop that communication card in the basket. But let's give to support what God's doing here. We'll sing joy to the world. I'll come back and wrap it up. Hey, a couple of things before you go. Number one, if you begin your life as a Christ follower today, I mentioned confession is important. By that, we mean tell somebody. Tell your friends, your family members, the people who brought you. Come tell me. We want to walk with you in this journey. And uh, on the tables by the doors, there's a package that says for new believers. It's got a Bible, some material to get you started in your walk with Jesus. And on January, uh, I think it's 12th, but in the middle of January, we've got our First Steps class coming up, and that'd be a great thing for you to get involved in as well. We also have on those tables lots of these left. Take them and use them. Give them away. Give them to the baristas where you get coffee. Give them to the clerks where you go shopping. Give them to your neighbors. My wife's giving out a bunch of them to our neighbors with cookies. If you invite them, they might come. If you don't, they probably won't. So use these cards. Take them, please. Give them away. Prayer team will be down front. If you need communion today, you like to take us both sides of the room. You know, today's been all about kids. One last thing I want to show you. 
And uh, this is the blessing or the cursing of being my grandson. But let's watch this together. Bless you guys. See you Christmas Eve. Thanks for coming.